Okay, so you've you've tuned into the downside of using flat materials like like sheets of latex, and that is that, you know, for instance, with our bubble gripper, the bubble is shaped like an ellipse, and it's it's flat to start, and when we inflate it, it looks like that, and we don't really have much control over that. We can make it fatter, we can make it skinnier, but that apex is going to be in the middle, and it's going to inflate just like that because the material is all the same thickness. Um, so that's a limitation of using the thin membranes and inflating them the way we are. Uh, but we do have some ability to kind of change the, uh, the profile of the plate that it, that it pumps up from. Uh, we've played with that quite a lot and we settled on the current morphology, which is ultimately ellipsoidal, um, so that we could simulate it. So we're using some pretty advanced soft simulation techniques, uh, at TRI that are, evolving by the day. So when this gripper was first developed, we kind of had some limitations like, you know, we can do cubes, we can do spheres, and you gotta make either a cube or a sphere. I'm like, oh, you know, could I maybe have an ellipsoid? I, I feel like I like that shape a lot better for getting into tight spaces. And, you know, uh, the the camera field of view is more like a rectangle than a, than a square, so maybe that'll work. And they actually developed the simulation technique for ellipsoids because you know the dynamicists and the mechanical engineer agreed that this shape would be doable. It'd both be doable from my end and acceptable. It would be actually achievable to simulate this from their end. So that's one of the reasons that the shape is what it is. Um, but we've tested it and we, we, we like where we can get the bubble. You know, we, we started off by taking uh, mugs and plates out of a sink and putting it in the dishwasher, sorting, recycling and stuff like this. Um, We've, we've played with a lot of objects since, like spatulas to flip pancakes and just, just playing around and seeing what we can do with this. And surprisingly, we haven't really felt the need to change the shape. You know, maybe we um, started to play with the, the inflation of bubbles, but it, no one's been really begging for a, a shape change, which is a little bit surprising to me. Um, maybe someone's asked for it to be smaller, and then, you know, someone comes around and asks for it to be bigger. So we are still kind of gathering experimental data on what we want this gripper to look like, but ultimately no one's really pushing that hard on changing it because it works pretty well for the applications we've been applying it to. Okay. And why is it surprising? I don't know. What, do you, what kind of thoughts do you have before you, I don't know. I'm curious what kind of things, thoughts are in your mind before? Yeah. So, you know, for instance, I expected at some point we'd want the high point of the bubble gripper to be further out, you know, so that you could pick up you know, something closer to the table. You know, if I, if I were to try to pick this up even from my hand with the bubble gripper, we can't really do that yet. But what we can do is we can, instead of, you know, changing the bubbles entirely, we could just move the fingers a little bit. And, and now suddenly we can touch with the fingertips. So there's pretty simple solutions to getting some of the grasp that we're interested in without you know, some major overhaul or some design optimization or some all new fabrication technique. It's been pretty easy to take these minor, like, you know, let's think hard. I, I think one of the benefits is that, you know, we have a perception and control lead, Naveen Kupaswamy and I, you know, we argue all the time. He says it's a hardware problem. I say it's a software problem and we meet in the middle. And, and, and it's great to be able to to have this dynamic where it's not a bunch of mechanical engineers in a room trying to decide what works best because we're never going to get to 
something that pleases everybody that way. So now our team has grown and we have multiple electronics engineers and mechanical engineers and everything. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about uh, design review and, and how to make things better. And we, we always lean towards the kind of simpler, elegant solutions that we can en enact really fast and, and test and make sure that we're, that, we're, um, that we're going in a direction that works as opposed to, you know, six months of full renovations and then we'll see whether it works or not. It's a, we have a very fail fast mentality and surprisingly this gripper has, has stood up to many conversations and many different tests. So I expected more iterations of it, but it's been a pretty static design, um, you know, besides minor tweaks that have, you know, one of the biggest uh, changes to the gripper that's happened in the last year that made this, um, this release possible was when we got stuck working from home, we couldn't build the gripper because we were using the nice 3D printers we had in the lab. We were using, you know, some parts that we just couldn't have access to. Um, but having to work from home, we redesigned it to be printed on like hobbyist FDMs, you know, like the, the $200 3D printer. So that's why that, that kind of gave us the spark, you know, when a, but a software engineer on my team made his first bubble gripper, I'm like, okay, you know, anybody could do it. Um, and, and that kind of, uh, generated this, um, this desire to say, you know what, it's, it's not that big of a deal now to just document it and put it out there. So anybody could, anybody could try it out and, you know, maybe, maybe they'll tell us what the bubble shapes need to be next to, to grab all the things in the world. And we'll gladly take that advice. Great. So I'd like to go for the sensing design, because I think in the community also, we have a lot of discussion about the sensing as why it's complicated sometimes and why sometimes we can use the sensing or maybe less relying on the feedback that's very expensive and make the software work maybe more predictive to uncertainty. How do you see for you uh, the, when it comes to application like that, what's the efficient way for the design of the sensing? We've been very interested and intrigued by visual tactile sensing in general. And visual tactile sensing is basically sensing tactile with a camera. So there are uh, folks who have done this before us. Uh, for instance, Ted Edelson's group at MIT who makes GelSight. There's GelSlim at MIT. There's Finger Vision from CMU. And these are really cool sensors that basically, you know, they have a rubber and they have some dots or, or a structure that the camera can look at. And when you push something up against them, things move, um, lighting changes, and you, use, you, can, you can see what's going on. Um, this is extremely interesting to us because, number one, cameras are getting cheaper by the day. You can buy a $2, you know, your cell phone has the tiniest camera you've probably ever seen. Um, and these are not expensive when you go and you, you find them on Amazon or Alibaba or something like that. So it's, it's really not cost prohibitive to take this route, even though it seems complex. Um, and ultimately you get like, you know, thousands and thousands of, of data points from these things. It's, it's not a, you know, four pixel barometer stuck in rubber kind of tactile array, which are still very useful in some cases, but in in the research thread that we're taking, we really just want, you know, tons of data, all the data and see what we can do with it. So for the bubble gripper, because we've gone the visual tactile, visual tactile route, we've been able to try a lot of things that we, we didn't really intend to from the get go. We built the bubble gripper thinking that shape is 
all we want, at least at first. We weren't thinking about much. We just wanted to see shape of the objects we were grabbing. And so we took the route of putting a depth camera in there. And um, again, this was a decision made uh, to just keep things easy. I could have put a stereo camera in there. We could have had an algorithm that's you know, making point clouds. But instead, we went with something off the shelf so that we could get point clouds right out of the box and started doing things like, um, you know, uh, pose uh, tracking and, and stuff that you do based on the geometry. Because we went the camera route, we were then able to look at dots on the inside, you know, learn how to print dots on the inside and watch, watch them move and start doing the shear tracking that we learned from gel sight and finger vision. We started doing object classification because with a camera, you can just run, you know, tried and true uh, machine learning techniques from the computer vision community. Um, so I think that, you know, in the case of our bubble gripper using a depth sensor, it's, it's not the cheapest option in the world, but as soon as you make the move to, uh, to little tiny cameras, which are just increasingly available, this becomes a very, very um, affordable way to, to sense tactile in general. And as the compute uh, abilities of robots just skyrockets as well, and the, the price of that goes down, I don't see any reason why we couldn't have you know a ton of cameras on a robot just doing all the tactile work. Mm -hmm.